When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You want cash. You want to get stuff done. So what do you do? You buy 5-Hour Energy, of course. You upload the receipt to 5hewin.com, then find out if you've instantly won 10, 100, or even $1,000. Then you drink that 5-Hour Energy and cut through your to-do list like a hot knife through butter. 5-Hour Energy, the official sponsor of getting stuff done. No purchase necessary. Must be 18 and a legal resident of the U.S. Ends June 30th, 2021. For rules, visit 5hewin.com slash rules. Void where prohibited. Message and data rates may apply. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois, and by Michael Elwood of Remax First Service, serving the Chicagoland area. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome into the latest edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5Chicago.com. And with me, as always, so close I can actually touch him with he my pen me. today, is it. the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score. Jay, we are here at the studio. We are talking Blackhawks. How you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good. It's good to talk about some hockey. We have some Blackhawks stuff to talk about. My sources came out of the woodwork yesterday and gave me some nuggets, some tidbits that I'm going to share with you guys about what the summer will hold uh, going forward. But first and foremost, we've got a brand new hire and a guy I never imagined I would see behind the bench for the Blackhawks, Mark Crawford, <laughs> former Avalanche head coach. The guy's been around forever. Him of the slicked back hair and the the very defined jaw. Always just sort of felt like a rival. Always was kind of a rival to the Blackhawks. And here we have Jeremy Cowton adding him to his coaching staff. And I don't really know. There's no downside to this. I think it's it's a it's a good sign that the Cowden is saying, yeah, maybe having a guy who's been here 
who's done this for a long time could be beneficial to me. And they bring in Mark Crawford. And a couple of people reached out to me saying, wow, is this the Hawks not really believing in Jeremy Cowton? Is this them kind of hiring a babysitter? So if Cowton slips up, they have the replacement. From what I'm told, that's not the case. They have full faith in Cowton. Cowton has full faith in himself. And that's why he had the nerve to suggest they hire a guy like Crawford who could be a potential replacement for him. But that that's not the case. That's not how they see it. They love Cowton. They like what he's done. And Cowton believes in himself enough to make a gutsy hire and bring in a guy with that much experience to work under him. It wouldn't be the first time they've hired a uh, babysitter for Coach Colleton. I mean, they've proven already that they're willing to do that. But I kind of agreed with you. I The way I figured it is that this was the hire of a very self-assured coach, a coach that understands the program that he's trying to implement the co- a coach that understands potentially what his limitations are behind the bench. I thought it was a really a smart move when they announced it earlier this week. I definitely think it tells us a lot about the way Jeremy Colleton sees himself and the way he sees the future of this team. And obviously I am not as intimately familiar with Mark Crawford since his heyday was when I was what, 10, 11 years old, <laughs> Damn it. but, but I do, I do vaguely remember those avalanche teams. And obviously they played a really exciting brand of hockey, had a lot of really good uh, stars on that team when he was behind the bench and led them to a Stanley cup title. And I, I definitely, I love that pedigree. I love the fact that they have the guy in place who's confident enough to do that. And this coaching staff that Jeremy Colladin has put together, I'm, I'm definitely uh, digging some of the names that he's put together. And I think they could do uh, some really good things behind the bench and Jeremy Colladin's first full season. Yeah. It, my memories of Mark Crawford are him and Scotty Bowman always yelling at each other, you know, between the benches <laughs> and stuff. When that av- avalanche Red Wings series was uh, at, at full tilt, when Blackhawks fans still thought of, of the Red Wings as their rivals, when Red Wings fans were like, who? The Blackhawks? Oh, yeah, we play a couple times a year, right? Where it was really that, you know, stepson feeling uh, when the Avalanche and Red Wings were really heated. That that was so great, that era, that rivalry. And Mark Crawford was in the middle of that all the time. Um, but, yeah, like you said, I like it. Bring in a, a set of eyes that can offer some experience for maybe some of the administrative things that Cowden isn't as familiar with. He can help with, but system wise, it's a fit and look for Mark Crawford, a guy who very likely is looking to get back into the head coaching ranks. If the Hawks have a bounce back season, which they very well might, they've got the number three overall pick. We're going to get to that in a minute They're You know, they brought in a couple They're They're probably going to bring in a, a player to help or two, via free agency or trade. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. So the chances are the Blackhawks will be better next year. Uh, I don't think there's really much doubt about it. Um, so if he can sort of ride the coattails of a hot Hawks season or a bounce back season for the Hawks, maybe that propels him into a head coaching job somewhere else. So, you know, in any league more than anything, the NHL is a league of recycled head coaches. And I'm sure Mark Crawford, uh, when he took this job was looking for big market, high profile, opportunity to move on beyond this year and I think it's a really good fit for him and for the Hawks same thing with Kevin Deneen probably was yeah. looking for that kind of uh responsibility and then didn't end up uh it didn't end up working out that way for him but uh Mark Crawford clearly eyeballing the uh coaching job with the unnamed Seattle team that 
will be coming into the league. What year are they coming in? 2021, yep. right? Yep. Yeah, that they uh, launched their website the other day. I All saw right. that. Um, yeah, we're getting closer and closer to having the Arizona Coyotes as a division rival of our <laughs> oh, beloved geez. Blackhawks. So um, the one thing I did want to ask, and I'm sure a lot of listeners are going to be curious about this, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but yeah. you're going to be educating me as well. Everybody talks about like kind of which coach has which responsibilities, like who's in charge of the penalty kill, who would be in charge of the power play. Where would you see Mark Crawford? Like, what is his expertise and what area do you think he'll be kind of in charge of with this coaching staff? You know, I truly don't know the answer to that. I, I think a guy who I think of mostly as a head coach um, is kind of a jack of all trades and he lets his assistants handle that. I truly don't know the pedigree of Mark Crawford, why he was brought in, what is his specialty. Um, but Cowton's the offensive guy, Brookbank, Sheldon Brookbank is a defensive guy. Mm. Um, I don't want to mess with the power play. It worked. Um, but I'm not sure. It's a good question. And, and it will shake out. It's not always, you know, roles change. You can have coaches in hockey where it's not like in the NFL where, you know, Vic Fangio will always be a defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. You can have guys switch responsibilities. Am I mistaken? Didn't Mike Kitchen and, uh, Torchetti, like switch roles. Yeah. At one point. I believe you're uh, correct. Yeah. I think there was, uh, or Mike Haviland is who I'm thinking of. Mike Havlin Kitchen, and, by the way, also an assistant coach with uh, Joel Quenville in Florida now. Of course. Yeah. No shock. Well, there. that's a given. <laughs> Joel <laughs> Quenville is going to get, going to get hired. You know, Mike Kitchen can't be far behind. By the yeah. way, uh, the Mark Crawford thing during his interview, his uh, conference call with the Chicago media said that when he was thinking about joining the Hawks, his first call was to Joel Quenville, his good friend, and Q had nothing but good things to say about the organization, about the leadership. So that's good. It's good to know that the Hawks didn't burn any bridges with Q when he left. I think everyone sort of understood eh, this was probably coming, mm. and it's probably best for all parties involved. Quenville's in a good situation with, uh, you know, Dale Talon loves them. They're like-minded hockey-wise. He gets to bring in his guy, Mike Kitchen, and the Hawks are able to bring in some fresh blood and sort of shoot some life into this team that desperately needed it. And it showed, man, look, uh, the blues were in last place January 3rd and they're in the Stanley cup final. And I'm not saying that the Hawks are going to do the same thing, but you can make a jump very quickly with a coaching change with an injection of life and with the addition of obviously some top end talent, and hopefully the Hawks are able to do that this summer. Yeah, and we're obviously going to talk about that. I know we keep teasing that we're going to talk about free agency. And well, let's do it. Top end talent. Do you want to get to that first, or do you want to get to NHL draft stuff first? Uh, let's get to the free agency stuff because it's not quite as is uh, is is. I don't have as much info there as okay. I do with the other stuff. But we do have plenty of stuff we can make speculation about. Yeah, what I'm told is the number one target for the Hawks in free agency, or I guess you could say this summer because it may be via trade is a top four defenseman. I'm also told it's unlikely they're going to go after, after Eric Carlson. It's not necessarily a 0% shot. If they find he's interested and they find that maybe the money could work for them, they'll probably inquire, but they're not, as far as I know it, actively pursuing Eric Carlson, like they did Marion Hosa and Brian Campbell and the big free agent signings they've had in the past. Do you think the groin injury ends up becoming an issue in terms of his uh, pay? Do you think that that maybe lowers his AAV a little bit or maybe the length of the contract? Do you think that the Blackhawks maybe try to take advantage of that and offer him something in the ballpark of eight and a half to nine million for five or six seasons instead of going to max eight? I, I don't because I just think that when you are so far and above the best available free agent 
yeah, defensively. There's really good forwards available. There's good goalies available. But as far as defensemen go, it's Eric Carlson. Then you take about 10 steps down to Tyler Myers. Then about 50 steps down to the rest. Well, for him, it'd be about five steps. He's a very <laughs> tall man. All right, right. Sure. Five steps up, then down. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think that he's going to get um, close to what we expected him to get in free agency, which would be 10-11 for big years. Yeah. Um, and who knows? I, I, I don't think a, a groin injury is going to... I don't know. I don't know if that's enough to scare people off from him. It wouldn't scare me as a GM. If I, if I've got that kind of money and I'm interested in bringing Eric Carlson in, I don't think a groin injury is going to stop me from, from doing that. Well, the that's, only reason I even bring it up as a concern is because of how he plays the game and how speed really is a big factor with him when he's out on the ice. Like maybe that, you know, eats at him, like eats at that speed a little bit. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like it's nothing like you said, I don't think I would be necessarily concerned about it, but it wouldn't hurt to be like, look, maybe you lost a little bit, you know, take a little like 500 K off of what we were potentially going to offer you. Like, yeah. you know, I, like you said though, I think it's going to end up being kind of a bidding war for him. So it always that, happens. That, that savings probably is not going to happen. If you have that many teams potentially interested in acquiring him. Well, what I thought was interesting is that there's rumors that they want to go back to Ottawa that his wife is really homesick and wants to go back to Ottawa. D- didn't they have like this entire like thing where she was being like harassed by some like anonymous, yes. like other wives or something in Ottawa. If I'm look, if I'm Eric Carlson, I'm not going to Ottawa. No, if I'm a senators, I'm like, look, appreciate it. But we're trying to actually rebuild here mm-hmm. and paying you all this money and giving you all these years is not helping that. So thanks for your interest. Um, but no, it's like Carmelo <laughs> Anthony's wife. It's like, just please stop. Yeah. Don't, don't get involved in this. Right. So top four defenseman is the target again, free agency wise. It's very limited in what's available off the air. You brought up the name Jacob Truba who um, apparently wants a trade from Winnipeg. Now here's where it gets interesting. And here's where you can sort of add the draft into things as well. Um, this number three pick gives you some power to draft any position you want. And when you do that, it also makes some of your higher-valued prospects more tradable. So if you, let's say, for instance, the Blackhawks draft Bowen Byram, all of a sudden you're a little more open to moving Adam Boquist or Henry Yokoharyu, right? Because you have limited spots on a roster. You have um, only six guys can play. Two of those guys probably can't and won't go anywhere in Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith. So realistically, you're dealing with four roster spots. You've got, if you draft Byram, four potential defensemen you really like with Yokoharu, Byram, Boquist, and Bodan. That doesn't even mention the other guys in the system who are close. Yep. So you can trade, and that makes your trade pool stronger if you want to go for a guy like Jacob Trouba because it's going to take a high pick, a high prospect, and Winnipeg's wanting to win. It'll probably take a roster player. Well, so a Brandon Sod. And, and you also have the element of Winnipeg being in the division. Right. And I know that like that can be kind of silly at times, but at the same time, that's the team you're potentially going to have to go through in the first two rounds of the postseason. So I definitely see you know, there probably would be an added cost to dealing with a divisional rival for that reason. Right. But, I mean, would you give Brandon Saad, let's just say, for sake of argument, Adam Boquist, 
and a second round pick for Jacob Truba. It's a lot, but right now Saad is like he's a first line player, but they don't play him there. Right. Um, it's he's a luxury item. The Blackhawks just don't use that way. They need him to be more, and I don't really think he is. Right, and that's the sort of guy a guy like Saad fits very well in Winnipeg. Yeah. He's got the the size. He's got the power. He's another power forward on a team loaded with them. Only has two years left on his deal, too. So that six million cap hit isn't really going to scare anybody away. So there are options to trade. However, we mentioned drafting Bowen Byram and maybe using that to trade a defenseman. From what I'm told, uh, the Blackhawks are leaning towards drafting a center. So uh, Alex Turcotte's going to be a Blackhawk is what you're saying. It seems like Alex Turcotte would be the guy. I'm told Mark Kelly, uh, the Hawks director of amateur scouting, is a big fan of the USA players. Mm. Um, not, I wouldn't say not fond of the Canadian players, but leans towards the American-born players. Uh, so if you're if you're putting the puzzle pieces together, Alex Turcotte does seem to be the kind of that he fits that mold. He f- he fills in that gap for you. They'll trade up and take Jack Hughes number one, my friend. They could do that. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't not. think anyone's going to trade down with them. <laughs> but uh, you know, hey, if you've got these pieces to do it, you never know. I just, I don't know. I I have sort of talked myself into Byram. I really have. I just, I don't know. I don't know more than these scouts do. I'm not going to pretend like I'm. I've watched every game Bowen Byram's ever played or Alex Turcotte's ever played. Like we just discussed, they do have a large pool of defensive prospects. They're not quite as deep at center and at forward. So from a needs perspective, it makes sense to draft a center or a forward. Mm. But at number three overall, my mind, I think, James, you agree. I think most of our listeners agree. You want to take the best possible player. Yeah. And from all reports up until this point, which is 1252 PM on Thursday, June 6th, Bowen Byram seems to be the third best player in this draft. Well, I mean, the draft realistically starts with the Blackhawks at number three, because you know, yeah. Jack Hughes and Capococco are both, they're going one, two. It's just a matter of which order. I still think Jack Hughes is probably going to go number one. I don't think that's exactly a you know flaming hot take brought to you by a hot sauce we don't mention by name. <laughs> but I, I still think that when you're looking at this group of Blackhawks and the defensive prospects that they have, none of them have the skill set or the body build or whatever that Bowen Byram has. Like I'd love adding that to the mix. And from everything I've read, he's likely NHL ready right now at 19. And that is fantastic to have as a defenseman and incredibly rare. I, I think I was told the only defenseman he would have gone after in the last draft was Rasmus Dahlin. I mean, that's pretty high praise yeah. for a draft that had some decent defensive prospects in it. So, well, and Dahlin was the number one, everyone knew he was going to be number one overall for two or three years. Yeah. It was just a matter of time for Mm -hmm. when he came out. So that, that's saying something it is. And like I said, this is not my opinion. These are the opinions of other people that have watched this kid play all these games. We've talked about the weird Canadian obsession with junior hockey, but we'll (laughs) shelve that discussion for now. I, I, to me, I do feel like you take the best player available at number three to me right now that's Bowen Byram but if the Blackhawks decide that they want to go positional and they want to go with a center why not maybe trade down 
like a couple of picks and then take an there. Cause I think in that group, your docs, your cousins, your Turcots, I think they're relatively all the same skill wise anyway. Why not just move down, recoup some assets, and you know, then still get a center with that pick? I, I agree with that. I think you're right. There are a number of forward, even if you trade down a spot or two, chances are you'll get a guy you like there. But if you take a look at like the Hawks website, there's already a ton of Alex Turcott content on there. Mm. They're talking about the Jonathan Taves comparisons and how he's not running away from them. It's very if you again reading the tea leaves here. It all seems to be pointing to Turcotte. And we, it, it we really brought does. him up the day, yeah. the day they got that number three pick. We were like Chicago mission products, like born and raised in Illinois. Like it just, God, it would make so much sense from a marketing standpoint. And realistically, I think from a hockey standpoint too, to bring that kid in. And so you can maybe argue that the, you know, the overflow of Turcotte content, Tur content, as I'm going to call oh, it. Oh, nice. Yes. Is because of the fact that he is a local kid. But I mean, re- realistically, from both of those angles, I think it makes sense, too. All right. Well, whatever happens after the draft, you're going to want to order yourself a jersey for the new Blackhawk. Go to Triple Threat Sports, triplethreatsports.com. Not only can they hook you up with sweet looking NHL jerseys, you can also get an outfit, your own team, your softball team, your bowling team, whatever, triplethreatsports.com, 708-478-6090, Triple Threat Sports. If you can wear it, they can make it. Um, so, yeah, I, it's going to be a really exciting couple weeks here. The draft's the 21st. Free agency starts on July 1st. Those two weeks there, it's going to be a really active and exciting summer for the Blackhawks, and I really can't wait to see how this roster is going to shake out. And another guy who we have talked about a little bit um, over the last couple episodes, the recently signed uh, check forward, uh, Dominic Kubalik, big write-up from him, from Scott Powers about him in the athletic today, going in with some scouts, some people that have played with him, some people that have watched him play. This is a dude who Stan Bowman expects to be an everyday player next year. So this is another guy in that forward group, much like Dominic Cahoon last year and David Kampf the year before. Kubalik is a higher ceiling player than either of those guys. And they expect him to come in. They expect him to compete. And again, we talked about their, um, there's some less depth at forward. There's a lot of names, though. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, like, Artem Anisimov. I, I'm frankly surprised he's still a Blackhawk. We mentioned Brandon Saad already. Uh, if you want to start bringing up these kids, you've got Drake Kajula. John Hayden is a restricted free agent, but I don't know where he fits on this team. There's so many guys like that. Uh, Dylan Secura a name I frankly have forgotten about over the last couple weeks. It's because he couldn't score a goal. I know. But he, there, he had the butthead syndrome. There's he, just, <laughs> he never scored. <laughs> there's just so many names like that on this roster and they're all going to need spots. So that also sort of feeds into the trade possibilities. I'm not saying you're going to get a lot for, you know, Artem Anisimov or John Hayden's contract or anything like that. But if you're talking about moving up, moving down a couple spots, there are instruments to make those things happen. So, I'm really excited. You know me. I love off-season stuff. Mm-hmm. I love free agency. I love trades. I love uh, the trade deadline when it comes around in season. I really just can't wait for the season to get started, the off-season to get started in full. 
Did you want to talk a little bit more about uh, what Scott Bauer said about Kubalik in that post? You kind of teased it, and then you moved on to the other DKs, your Dominic Cahoons and your David Camps. I want to hear about the newest iteration of the DK phenomenon. Yeah, I don't want to give away the entire article, but there's just some some scouting things uh, about him in here. Blaine Smith, who was the GM uh, that, that uh, drafted him in the CHL, um, and they played together in the OHL for two years. He said he did not shy away from the physical part of the game whatsoever. He initiated the physical part of the game. He had a great shot, really hard shot, very good skater, played physical. He played more of a North American game than than most import players when they come over. The first year in the playoffs, we lost in the first round, but he scored in every game we played. We went six or seven games. I love that's a thing, by the way, in scouting reports. He plays a North American game, which means he hits people. That, that's that, all it means. That's essentially <laughs> what that boils down to. I can I can read the tea leaves there to borrow a phrase from you, and that's what that means. Yeah, there's just a ton of good info in here about Kubalik, so make sure you check out Scott Powers' latest piece uh, for The Athletic. He is, you and I agree, uh, among the best sports writers in his town. He's always got great stuff. Certainly um, makes me look bad because he's just so damn good. He makes us all look bad because he's great at what he does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, it's, there's just so much. And it, it's this waiting game is kind of difficult. Like we can only speculate about free agency in the draft for so long before it just becomes like repetitive. I don't repetitive. know. We've managed to do 22 minutes on it so far. You're right. You're right about that. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't know. I'm just so I'm so ready for it. And I wonder what our listeners think. You can always email us madhousepod at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about the draft. And I want to clarify something. While I'm sort of leaning Byram in the draft, if they pick Turcotte, I'm not going to be pissed. No. I don't think it's a miss. I don't think it's a bad idea. I don't think it's a, a wasted pick by any means. He is certainly one of the people talked about at that number three spot. Like James said earlier, one and two are definitely Hughes and Kako. From there, it's kind of a crapshoot between four, five, six guys. So if Turcock goes third, I guess I would say if they do choose to draft a forward, mm-hmm. a center, I would want it to be Turcott. That would be the guy I would hope they pick if they do decide to go that route. There's realistically one guy, I think, on the list that could potentially get picked that I don't want because I don't want – I don't think the Blackhawks need a stash and wait for two years player. And that's Vasily Podkolzin. Yeah. I don't need a guy who's already said, I'm going to stay in Russia for two years. You don't draft that guy with the third overall pick. I don't care if he maybe has number one talents. He might. I, I just, you, you can't afford to wait that long. You have to get a guy who's going to make an impact sooner rather than later, especially with the way they've talked about this contention window only being open for a limited amount of time yep. with your Canes and your Taveses and your Crawfords and all that. You need a guy who's going to contribute sooner rather than later. And to me, that's the only direction they could go in that would annoy me. Unless they trade down to five and then they get him there, I can see that. But at the three spot, I want no part of that pick. Yeah, you need to win now. You've got a resurgent Jonathan Taves. You had Patrick Kane with a career year. Um, but, but look, there's only so much of that left. And we have documented it over and over again. We're not going to waste any more breath talking about Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook's regression. You have to try to get back into playoff contention, not just making the playoffs, 
but competing in the playoffs yeah. now. And, and in the West, that's entirely possible. You saw what the St. Louis Blues did. Yeah. They're not exactly a juggernaut team. They're flawed just like everybody else in the West is. And I think in that environment, the Blackhawks have a really good opportunity to go out and acquire a big-name free agent, to go out and get somebody really good with that number three pick, and they can vault themselves into that conversation if those guys have that same kind of season in year two of the Jeremy Colleton program. I think the Blackhawks have a really good opportunity with the right moves to make a big step forward, and they have to take advantage of it. And to me, drafting Vasily Podkolson is not taking advantage of it. No, I agree. I, I And like you said, maybe he is number one pick material, it just is, is not a fit for this team. They cannot wait two years. And also, after that, go through all the drama of, okay, well, he's played his two years. Is he still going to sign here? Mm-hmm. And then you've wasted a number three overall pick, and who knows what's left of, of your best players. Yeah. Right? And sure, maybe by that point, Dylan Strom has emerged into a point-per-game player, and Alex DeBrinkett scoring 50 goals every year. But again, those are... Nice players, complimentary players. I don't think that those guys, even if they max out, can be your best players. You need Taves, you need Kane to be at or near the top of their game. If you want to keep the Stanley Cup window open, they're there right now. You've got to act to try to win now. And I don't know if Turcotte's a guy that's going to jump in right away either, which is why I'm probably leaning Byram because you can come in and plug him in maybe day one of next season. But this window is closing fast and they've got to act on it as soon as they can. Amen, brother. You are preaching to a very receptive choir here. All right, before we take a break and talk about the Stanley Cup final, got to tell you about our good friends at Marishka's in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street, family-owned and operated since 1933. Go there for the poor boys, the steaks, the chops, the seafood. Everything there is outstanding. Also, a great great craft beer menu. So go visit Joe and the Zadrovich family out in Crest Hill at Marishka's. Again, 604 Theodore Street, they are closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So visit them at marishkas.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash marishkas. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. We'll be right back with a whole lot more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Is that Shakespeare? Nope, it's Geico. Uh, yeah, 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 that's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished works. Oh, it be not for awakening. Nay, give it thou the berries. For fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. No, it's from Geico, because they help save people money. Well, I hate to break it to you, but Geico got it from Shakespeare. Geico. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski with you here, James Neville, right here beside me in the flesh. I can touch him. I just did. I just touched him on the hand. Appropriate. We're all about consent on this podcast. And he gave me a nod when I said touch. So we're good. We're fine. By the way, uh, we mentioned it a while back. Uh, Rabbit Brewing, our beloved sponsor, Rabbit Brewing, had their Feast of the Goat Queen 
Festival uh, a couple weeks back, and James and I went out there. It was a cold night. Yep. It was a rainy night, but we were outside. The goats were out there. It was an awesome time. They introduced a bottle of their uh, Imperial Ale, the Horus, which was absolutely outstanding. We, If you've been to Rabbit or you've seen their website, all their incredible artwork uh, was the artist was there selling some of her uh, items. It was a great time. If you really are a craft beer fan and you like to try different things, you're not just looking for, like, what's the hoppiest thing I can drink? Looking for something juicy, something sweet, something, uh, you know, chocolatey, whatever. Rabbit has everything you need. Uh, Tobias and Ray, they run the place with a lot of love. It is their labor of love. They put a ton of work, all of their energy into it, and all the beers they come up with are outstanding. Every time I go there, I go, that's my new favorite. Then I try a new one. Okay, that's my new favorite. Then I try a new one. Okay, that's my new favorite. Every time I go to Rabbit, I find something new that I like. So Tobias, he's the mad scientist behind all the beer creations. Head out there, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood. The time has come for you to drink mythological-level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. Before we get to the Stanley Cup final, something we neglected to discuss last segment when we talked about the window closing and the future of the Blackhawks is next season is Corey Crawford's last year under contract for the Blackhawks. And I don't foresee, and I could be wrong, I don't foresee the Blackhawks re-signing him. Mm. Based on the injury history, based on his age, unless he's going to sign for a million or $2 million on a short-term deal, maybe betting on himself, hoping he can stay healthy and put up big numbers again to, to someday get a payday, um, I don't see much of a future here for Corey Crawford. And with that in mind, we need to talk about uh, Kevin Lankinen, who was the absolute star for Finland in the World Championships. Um, probably won't be part of things this year. Um, Cowan Delia will be the backup to Crawford this year. He just signed a three-year deal. But once Crawford's gone, Lankinen's a guy who I would pencil in right now as the next backup. Mm. And a guy who could very well, based on the pedigree and what we've seen from him coming out of the world championships as maybe even surpassing Calendelia and being this team starter someday. So you're talking like the next like Auntie Niemi or Auntie Ranta or any of the other aunties that have. Uh, well, he's finished, so it helps. Yeah, it does. I mean, they clearly have a good track record of uh, taking these goaltenders that no one's really heard of and turning them into uh, stars. And I know that they don't quite have the defense that they used to have but if you're going to build the offense the way that they're building it and clearly that is a point of emphasis is they want to be a fast team that scores a lot then you don't need a goaltender who's going to you know put up a 2.25 goals against average every season and Lankanen did look really good in the world championships and I know that that's not the highest level of competition there is but it still showed that he can occasionally put a team on his back when he needs to. And he's definitely going to be a guy that's going to get a lot of eyeballs in Rockford next season. Because as you said, in all likelihood, Colin Delia is going to be the backup goaltender in Chicago next year. And that pretty much would Two mean years. that the, Oh, I'm sorry. You said it, Delia. That, I think, I think yes. that to me would mean that the crease would be his in Rockford next season. And he can have a full season as the guy and the heir apparent whenever the Blackhawks decide to do with their goaltending position. Well, let's talk about what he did in the world championships. And, and again, this is not a high profile tournament, but it should be a lot of NHL talent there. Finland won the gold medal. They beat Canada and that Canadian team had Dylan Strom, Mark Stone, Kyle Turris, they had NHL talent on that team. 
in the eight games he played in the tournament, he only gave up eight even strength goals. Wow. He shut out Russia and France. Not a big deal. Shutting out <laughs> France. Um, and had a 942 save percentage and a 1.5 goals against average in the tournament. That is sources indicate to me that that is good. This just in that's good. <laughs> yeah. So he was uh, signed by the Hawks last May uh, after a great season in the Finnish league. And look, he's just continuing on that trajectory to the NHL. Uh, he played a little bit for Indy and Rockford last year. It was decent, didn't put up huge numbers, but very limited sample size. Mm-hmm. This is a name to keep an eye on. Kevin Lankinen could be, I think for sure, will be the backup goalie in two years, could be a starting goalie down the road. So one thing Stan Bowman's done a good job at, we've talked about this before, is identifying goaltending talent. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lankinen seems to be another guy in that in that uh in that, in mold. that pool. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I, I brought him up during the break and I was just like, I don't feel like this has gotten enough attention really in Blackhawk circles because you are going to have that discussion after the coming year of what do you do in net? You like you said, in all likelihood, you're not re-signing Corey Crawford to like a five or a six million dollar deal. If that's what he's going to command on the open market, I just genuinely don't think that that's that's not in the cards for the Blackhawks. I think they'd rather spend their money on upgrading their defense and maybe getting a little bit more depth at the forward position. And I think those are both completely reasonable strategies. They there has, if there has to be an area that you're going to try to develop a guy and to get a guy who's pretty cheap and can play at a high level, the Blackhawks have shown they can do that at their goaltender position. And I do think that that ultimately is what they will do moving forward beyond next season. Yeah, I agree. You ready to do some uh, Stanley cup final talk? As ready as I'll ever be. All right, this segment of Stanley Cup Final Breakdown is brought to you by our star real estate broker, Michael Elwood of REMAX First Service, 708-675-1600. He is serving the entire Chicagoland area. Find your dream home like I did with Michael Elwood of REMAX First Service, 708-675-1600. So, the Blues, even the series at two, game five tonight, as much as it's hard for me to say. Oh, no. I'm not going to say it. But oh, look, no. It's take the jersey off. It's a really cool story. And for a team that was literally the worst team in hockey in this calendar year to be to have to be two wins away from the Stanley Cup, as much as I loathe St. Louis and everything the, the city and the state stands for. You have to give credit to the Blues for the way they've done this, for the way they've turned around. Craig Berube has done a fantastic job, him and his giant Berubies. Um, I just, <laughs> look, hatred aside, you've got to give props to the Blues. They could have folded the tents after game two. I'm sorry, after game three, when they got blown out of the building. But they came back and responded. Ryan O'Reilly, that goal O'Reilly scored, like right in the slot. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that was something. So, I don't want them to win. I guess I'm rooting for the Bruins, which is hard to say because they're detestable too. Yeah, I'd say they're not exactly the most likable bunch. I just don't have to deal with their fans as often. Mm. So that's kind of the tiebreaker, yeah. I, I guess. And I don't want anyone from St. Louis to feel joy ever. Um, so, You're from St. Louis. You shouldn't. <laughs> no, you should not enjoy happiness or, or experience <laughs> happiness at any time. Um, so, But again, really impressive showing from the Blues. Um, 
it's it's been it's been really fun to watch. It's been a really good series. We talked about the old Red Wings and Avalanche playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's got that feel. It's physical as hell. And when I say physical, it's not a ton of cheap shots. It's not a bunch of guys fighting or bench clearing brawls. It's dudes just playing hard, finishing their checks. That is like when you talk about quote playoff hockey, close quote. That's what you're talking about, and it's been hugely entertaining. I have found myself locked and loaded for every game, and I've, I've really enjoyed it. I think the one thing that stood out to me in all of the games that I've watched, and I was kind of traveling a little bit, so I watched a good chunk of the blowout in Game 3 and then the, basically the start of Game 4. The thing that's really stood out to me has just been the way the Blues have responded to Every time the Bruins look like they're about to kind of put a stranglehold on things and really kind of take control, the Blues just punch back. And it's amazing to watch. Like the overtime in game two, there was zero doubt who was going to win that game. The Blues came out and for five minutes just barraged the Bruins and kept them on the ice for several minutes at a time. And it was just incredible to watch the way that they came out and just said, you know what? We're winning this damn game. And they went out and they did it. And then in game four, when, like you said, they had gotten blown out in game three, they came out looking to make a statement at the beginning of game four and they scored within the first minute. And they absolutely, they earned that victory in game four. And the city of St. Louis has, as much as I hate to like give them praise, <laughs> uh, being down there last weekend, they've embraced the Blues a lot. They are really into it. They are really hoping that that team can finally break the title drought that they have. And while I'm not necessarily rooting for them to do that, I do always love when a city embraces a team. And frankly, the Blues have deserved it with the way that they've played. Well, and look, Blues fans have always kind of been there. Whenever the Hawks and Blues play or any, whenever I see the Blues on TV or whatever, the arena is pretty full. Mm-hmm. And St. Louis, they don't have an NBA team. They don't have an NFL team anymore. So really all they have are the Cardinals and Blues, who just happen to be the two teams I hate the most, which is fine. <laughs> but they do embrace their team. They th- That is, I don't, I don't know if you can call it a hockey town. It's definitely a baseball town. But they care. And the Blues are on the radar of St. Louis, even when they're not great, even when they're not in a cup final. Um it's been an incredible story. I heard Jim Rome, of all people, on the CBS Sports Radio Minute talk about how the Blues always respond when they're backs against the wall. Mm-hmm. Now, how are they going to handle success? How are they going to handle if they do win tonight? They've got the pressure of their entire history on their back to to, to win that game four. Mm-hmm. And not, not win game four, but win the fourth win game. Win the fourth game. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. And I'm not... You know, again, not rooting for the Blues, but it's really hard to ignore how great of a sports story this has been. It's a shame that most of the country has ignored how great of a sports story it is, but it's been incredible. It's an incredible run and ultimate respect to the Blues. And you know what's crazy? Uh, Seeing assistant coach Steve Ott. (laughs) It's like it's just seeing Steve Ott in a suit is odd. Yes. (laughs) Like, shouldn't he be wearing, like, an onion sack and... I don't know. It's just strange to see Steve Ott in an authority position. I, I'd have thought for sure he would have gone the Travis Wood route. You know, just go out in the country somewhere. Go live in a van down by the river. Shoot, shoot, <laughs> shoot a bunch of deer and just have a bunch of beers and just have a good time. No, he, uh, Steve Ott just headshots deer. He just waits for him to run by and he just like jumps and elbows him in the face. What's and- he, Matt Cook? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he uh, and Matt Cook go out on uh, hunting expeditions, and they only bring their elbows and their shoulders. By the way, uh, speaking of air quotes, playoff hockey, did you see today's Zidane Chara with his broken jaw probably going to play? 
They're like, game time decision. He's playing. Did you see how he was interviewed today? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He, he wrote out answers to questions because he can't talk. Uh, he can't open his mouth. Ugh. That's yeah. That's, uh, like, uh, does is it Dan Bernstein that talks about uh, like people being stupid for playing through injuries? Does that ring a bell to you as the uh, executive producer of the Bernstein and McKnight show? He heard on six seventy the score that's recorded in this very very building. Wow! It, thanks for the plug. Man. Yeah, no problem, that's buddy. Really great. Um, I feel like it's a thing that we oftentimes glorify hockey players for being really tough. Is this a matter of you're not being tough, you're being stupid? Yes. <laughs> this reminds me of uh, Patrice Bergeron playing with a punctured lung against the Blackhawks in the 2013 Cup Final. I don't think he was at 100%. That's hockey, baby! Oh, I knew you were going to look for that drop. I knew that was going to happen. Well, that's the nice part about being at the score studios is I can just grab audio drops and play them as I wish. Can you play uh, Terry Boars yelling by Cracky? Is that available to us? Let's see if it's here. <laughs> I'll let Jay do that. Um, do we want to talk? What else do we want to talk about, man? Like, do we want to preview game five? Is there anything? Cracky, my friend! Thank God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Needed some of that in my life. Uh, <laughs> Somebody came in. His name's Harry. And he says that... Uh, uh, I mean, you connect the dots. Yeah, there's a lot of Terry Boar's drops in here. Uh, the Chris Tannehill <laughs> soundboard that he put together before uh, the Boar's and Bernstein show broke up is still one of my favorite things on the Internet. Yeah, no, it's great. It's really great. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I got distracted by me playing around with the sound system. Um, well, we, we're at that point in the show where we generally start slap getting slap time. happy anyway. I want to mention, though, another guy who's been awesome in the cup final took a rask. Has been oh god, he's been good oh the entire god. playoff. Out of his mind, yeah. Goaltending, I I would give him. I think honestly, to me right now, Uh-oh, he's my Hextall him. He's my Con Smythe even if they lose? right now. Maybe <laughs> I can't. Do I that. doubt it. No, I no, not not with the way the Blues have played. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. But yeah. I think to me, if the Bruins win, he's my Con Smythe winner. I don't think there's much doubt about it. He's been phenomenal. I mean there's just watching hockey for as long as you and I have, there's like, you'll draw a conclusion before it happens. Like, well, that's a goal Mm -hmm. just based on like the flow of the game and the angle of the shooter and where the goalie is like all that. Well, that's going in. You don't even really have to look Rask has stopped like all of those. He's (laughs) been insanely awesome. So, uh, respect. God, I hate, Ugh, yeah, I hate, I hate throwing all this respect Ugh. at the Blues and the Bruins. We talked for a while about like doing a post game show of all the things we did instead of watching <laughs> hockey. I know, but I've been watching. And the then crap we out turned around and we're watching the freaking Stanley Cup final. It's been too good. We are such hypocrites. It's been too good to not watch, man. Yeah. It's been really good. And I, yeah, it just all it does is make me just want the Blackhawks to come back. Mm-hmm. I want to watch Blackhawks hockey, please. Yeah, I've been. Wa- have you been watching any of the Calder Cup finals? Uh, no. Note I said finals because that's the styling they insist upon. I do not watch that. I'm sorry. Oh. I just, I'm not. You know, I love the Wolves. Let me just say the that. Wolves are really good to us. I love the Wolves. Going to Wolves games is super fun. Uh, I just think AHL hockey is kind of boring. I just, yeah. I don't know. There's like the mix of, hey, I'm not good enough to be in the NHL and I'm too old to make an impact in the NHL (laughs) that makes it just kind of, maybe it's in my head. The Wolves do have some players that are probably going to be with the Vegas Golden Knights next season. I mean, they do. 
Like they've got enough young guys on that team. The the Golden Knights have a deep enough roster that they actually have sent some younger players down to the minors. But you're right overall. There are plenty of guys at the HL level who just are not going to sniff the NHL. It's still cool to me to see, you know, the Wolves potentially in contention to win their first Calder Cup. I think it would be in eleven years. Yeah. So I mean, I've been I've been watching it. I, I not as intently as I probably intended to. That's a weird sentence. It worked. Yeah. But I, I just, to me, I think that it's worth watching, especially since, you know, it's a hometown team, my friend. You ready to do some, uh, some emails? Do we have to? Yes. Okay. Then we shall. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email of the show, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Stop looking at your watch. You'll get to work, you jerk. (laughs) Mexican, Cajun, barbecue, tons of beer. What more do you need to know? Go to Chuck's. If you're going on a Saturday, may I recommend the Cochinita Pabil? It is my absolute favorite meal on the planet of Earth, which is where we all live, as far as I know. So go there on a Saturday, get that. They've got the beignet breakfast going on. Chuckscafe.com is your one-stop shop to find out what's happening every day at Chuck's. They've got trivia during the week. They've got karaoke. They've got everything going on at Chuck's all the time. Go to Chuck'sCafe.com, find out the specials, find out the daily events they got going on, and go visit them. Burbank, Darien, Chuck'sCafe.com. Do it. Okay. For the record, my dad has been texting me, so I've been reading his texts. Okay. Making sure everything's all right? Everything right? Yeah, everything's good. He just is uh, sharing Facebook posts. He's doing dad things. Uh, I have, um, let's see, 38 unread texts. Good Lord, dude. They're all from my cousins. <laughs> you all do have like 800 cousins. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah, true. I've got like three. Okay, I literally so. just clicked the thread of my cousin's texting, and 36 of the 38 were cleared. All right, and uh, what did Hope text you? Uh, she's not on that thread. Oh. That's a different story for a different day. Uh, okay, um, then. No, everything's fine. She just doesn't like being text annoyed. Neither do I, but it's family. What are you going to do? Yeah. All right, this email from Charlie. Uh, he says, which group would you rather sit down and have lunch with today if you could pick only one? The 83 White Sox, the 84 Cubs, Mm. the 85 Bears, Mm. the 91 Bulls, Mm. the 92 Hawks, or the 2013 Hawks. Oh, I'm going 91 Bulls, man. I just want to hear about how much of a dick Michael Jordan is. I I live for those stories. Like that to me... Like talking to like Horace Grant and Scottie Pippen and BJ Armstrong and all John Paxson and all those guys. My only questions would be, so did Michael Jordan, like how many of you guys did he punch in practice? Like how many uh, side bets did he make with you in stupid blackjack games on the plane? Like I live for Michael Jordan behaving badly stories. I love them. So I'm going 91 bulls and keep me as far away as possible from the table of 85 bears. I don't <laughs> I don't need to hear about a bunch of guys who only won one title and they should have won three. Oh, see. But so, sorry, not sorry. Okay, but see, to me, that's what makes this interesting. Because if you have, all right, armed with the knowledge I have now from the job I've had for almost 20 years, from growing up, watching that team when I was a Ute, to now growing up and watching them. You grew up them, in Utah? Yes, watching them. 
grow up in age and just hear the stories that have come out like through the woodwork, I'd love to know why they think they only won one off the record, mm. where it's not a radio interview, where it's not in a book, where the words aren't going to get back out. I would love to hear what the 85 Bears have to say about Ditka, about Jim McMahon, about Mongo. I think that there will never be a team in Chicago as full of characters as that team was. So many great players, so many great personalities. Uh, I know it's like 85 Bears fatigue, but again, if I'm getting unfiltered, uncensored, you know, information that's off the record, I think the stories there would be unbelievable. And I wonder, like, could a team like that exist in this era of coverage and everyone having a cell phone? Like, how many of those guys would be like suspended or in rehab or both? Or like, <laughs> I don't know. I've all maybe just because of the age I was when they were great. In '85, I was eight years old. And that was, I remember it vividly that season. And Walter Payton was always my, I remember my uncles opened a butcher shop together and they had uh, Mongo and uh, Jay Hilgenberg come out for the opening. And I was maybe nine or 10. Did Mongo eat all of the meat? Mongo was actually super nice. And his wife, uh, Deborah, was there, who you remember from WCW. Anyway, um, you probably don't. Okay. Oh, yes, I do. So, yeah, some people do. Yeah. She was super nice, too. But all I did was ask him about Walter Payton, <laughs> like, for a half hour. Like, is Walter Payton nice? Yep. Oh, man, that's so cool. Like, what's he like? You know. You Chris Farley. <laughs> I totally did, but it wasn't about them at all. It was oh, all my about God. Walter I was 10. It was fine. So for the first thing you would have to do at dinner is apologize for being a little pissant who only would talk about Walter Payton. Hey. Hey, he is sweetness, my friend. And the second thing is I liked how neither of us were like even considering the 83 Sox or the 84 Cubs. You're just like, meh. I think 80s baseball teams in general are interesting because of all the cocaine. I was going to say, there's one reason (laughs) I can think of, and it has to do with the fact that they had the bowl of greenies at every clubhouse and they all snorted cocaine. Right. Just tell me about any 80s baseball player. Can you imagine Ryan Sandberg on a cocaine bender? probably still be boring <laughs> oh i'm sorry oh i'm sorry i love ryan sandberg he is a great ba- was a great baseball player he's just he's got nothing to say man he is <sighs> we're gonna get in trouble we're for not that. he's ryan sandberg is a great baseball player that was his job he did it well he's a deserving hall of famer it does not automatically make him or anyone a compelling person. Boy, howdy, is that the truth? Tell that to all the guys they try to hire as color analysts on games. Yeah. Oh, man. Just because you played doesn't mean you're insightful. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't mean to infer he wasn't interesting. But Quacky, my friend. Okay, that's the last time I promise. You should have played the uh, the bite of Dan Bernstein screaming, it's Ryan, not Ryan. <laughs> I'm sure it's in here. Let's see. Do, do, do. Here it is. We're going to edit this part out. No, we're not. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. <laughs> okay. All right. I think it's time to wrap up the podcast. Can we agree on that? Yes. All right. It's time to wrap this up. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We'll be back soon. We've got the draft. we got free agency. we got a super busy summer coming up. This has sort of been the downtime because it's like eh, the playoffs are happening so fast and there's not a ton going on with the Hawks. Things are starting to pick up. The podcast will pick up in 
and kind. So thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. We have been brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. Marishka's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Rabbit Brewing, the time has come for you to drink mythological-level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. And, of course, Michael Elwood of Remax First Service, 708-675-1600. Find your dream home with Michael Elwood of Remax First Service. Thanks for listening again to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm, mmm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. Ba-ba-ba-ba. I participate in McDonald's.